The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee, sending thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Amen. Praise God. Isn't God good? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good for his mercy, and do it forever. Amen. Let the house of Israel say his mercy, and do it forever. Let the house of Aaron say his mercy, and do it Let them that fear him say <laughs> Amen. And due to every generation. Praise God. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord again tonight. Amen. I know everybody's been shoveling a lot of snow. Amen. Isn't it fun? <laughs> See, you guys out there looking at work. That's why the problem is you're going out looking for work. The Lord asked Job, he says, have you looked into the treasures of <laughs> You guys are not out there looking for treasures. <laughs> See, if you go looking for treasures and you keep digging, it'll be gone and you don't even realize it. <laughs> Amen. But our God is good. He has a purpose for it. And that's what Isaiah says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven to water the earth and make it bud and may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be which goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unvoid, but accomplish that which I preach. It's got a purpose. Pretty soon we'll look back and have all the pretty green stuff and we'll be just excited. Amen. Amen. We'll forget all about it. You know? Like the song says, we'll understand it better by and by. <laughs> Amen. Well, good. All right. What did we talk about last month? I don't think I was here, was it? Was I here any last month? <laughs> huh? Last month, growing in the word, didn't we? Amen. What was the what was the scripture? Who had the scripture? What was First Peter two two? But desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, right? Okay. So we we got to get into the word. We've got to. To study the word. We've got to learn to apply the word of God to our lives so that we grow because the word is designed to help us to grow and to be what God wants us to be. Amen. We should be moving forward. Amen. We should be going higher and deeper. As the song says, deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus. Daily, let me go higher, wiser in the school of wisdom, more of grace to know. Amen. That's why we are told to grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to get into the word. You need to love the word of God. It should be a part of your lifestyle and a part of your day. 
amen, constantly digging in and, and uncovering the hidden treasures. The Bible says in Psalms, open thou mine eyes that I may even behold the wonders out of thy law. Amen. And so you want to be able to get into the word of God and have God through his wisdom and knowledge and understanding help you to grow in the word of God. Because the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's designed to encourage you and to edify you and to build you up. Amen. And to strengthen you. If milk causes our bones to grow, then we should desire the sincere milk of the word so that we can grow thereby. Amen. So this month we want to focus on growing unto spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. One of the things you find as you begin to grow in Christ and you start to to grow, there's a lot of things that is really childish stuff that we should be able to get over and pass on. Amen. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, we press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, notice what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus here in the fourth chapter. In in your study time, let me encourage you. Look at the book of Ephesus, that fourth chapter, and he lists a litanies of of things there in that fourth chapter. And and, uh, then on to the – actually, the whole book is a good book to study and to look at. Amen. But notice verse 22, that you put off what? Concerning the former conversation, the old man. Okay, you're not your old self anymore. All right? See, that's one of the fallacies of of the church, is we keep reverting back to who we were. Yes, we are in the natural, the same old individual, you know. But spiritually, we are supposed to mature and go forth. When we repent of our sins... We're dying to the old self. That's why there's so many scriptures that you read and you understand that shows you that you're not the same old person that you used to be. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. So what happens when you repent or born again? and baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, God gives you a whole new start. See? He says, okay, the old guy wasn't working for you, so now I'm going to make you new again. Kind of like he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18, he goes down to the parter's house, and he's doing the work on the wheel. So he puts you back on the wheel, and he spins you again, and he makes you all over again, a, a vessel of honor, meat for the master's use. See, so notice what he says. He says, put off the former conversations concerning the old man, conversation of the old man, and do what? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, you can't think the same old way. See, now you want to think like Christ. That's why you need to get into the word of God and let this mind, Philippians 2, 5 say, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You want to have the mind of Jesus Christ. See, so you want to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on what? The new man, which is created in God, at the God, and righteousness and true holiness. See, so you want to be in righteous 
and true holiness. If you, if you ever study the scriptures, you notice there's a whole lot of passages of scriptures talking about righteousness. Because God wants you to do right. Because he's God of righteousness. And the book of Revelation 19 tell us that the white linen or the fine linen of the saints of God is righteousness. Say, and fine linen is pure, is beautiful, is so that when you learn to do right without being told what to do, then you're maturing, you're growing. Say, you don't need people to hold your hand. You don't need people to beat you over the head. You know, it comes a time that you have to know that you know that you're doing what you know to do is right all the time. Amen. And so notice what he says. He says, put off the old and let's get on to the new. Amen. Because see, if we're immature, that means that we're childish. We have childish ways. We're not growing. Notice what Paul said. He says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, what did I do? I put away childish things. See? And so there's so many things that if we're not careful, they're childish. And so therefore we have to deal with these things in our lives if we're going to grow. And the first thing I want to look at tonight there on your list is putting away childish things. Putting away childish things. When I was a child, I speak as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Amen. So number one, we look need to, how to deal with is dealing with our disagreements. Dealing with disagreements. How do you deal with disagreements? How do you deal with disagreements? Amen. This is one of the things you have to learn to do. Amen. First, you need to know what you're disagreeing about. Most people disagree and they don't have a clue what they're disagreeing about. You need to know what you're disagreeing about. Are you disagreeing with me because of what somebody told you? Are you disagreeing with me because you didn't truly hear what I said? Are you disagreeing with me because you already have your mind made up? Are you disagreeing with me because you don't like me? Are you disagreeing with me because my understanding of Scripture is different than yours? If all of these things are true, then we have to learn how to agree to disagree. See? We don't want to disagree over foolish things. Okay? Notice what Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 1. He says, I therefore the prisoners of God beseech that you walk worthy wherewith you are called. Amen. With all lowliness and meekness. Amen. Verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Verse 3. Endeavoring. Notice. You and I must endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 
See, because peace comes with the Spirit. See? So if we're in disagreement all the time, guess what? There's division. There's no peace. Say, you want to be at peace among yourselves. You want to be at peace with one another. You want to be at peace in your homes. And so therefore you have to learn how to deal with disagreements. Amen. A lot of people walk away the church because they disagree and they have no clue why they're disagreeing. They don't have an understanding for the reason for what they're doing, what they're doing. Like I said earlier, as the old saying, I know you think you understood what I said, but I'm not for sure you understood what I meant. See, and a lot of times people disagree because they don't hear. They're listening to answer, not to hear, and as a result, they disagree. Most people, and I'm sure many of you like me, have come across people when they ask you, are you Pentecostal? And you say, yes, I am. And they say, well, I don't agree with all that stuff. I don't agree with all that speaking in tongues. I don't agree with women not wearing pants. I don't agree with women not carrying their hair. I don't agree with women not wearing makeup. All these stuff, you know. And you ask them the question, why not? Yeah. Is because the fact they don't know. They're disagreeing with something that they have no clue about. They have not studied the scripture to find out why. So they disagree based on what they've heard, not what they know. See? And so therefore, we have to be able to learn how to deal with the disagreements. And the way you deal with the disagreements is you get understanding. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed to rightly divide the word of truth. See, if, if you don't study the word of God, yourself, most of the times you get me right here, one of the other ministers, you get us about 25 good minutes. And I guarantee on Sunday, and you probably only pick up maybe 20 to 25% of what we say. Especially if I got a lot of idiosyncrasies or mannerisms is not good or whatever, right? So you may not pick up everything that I'm saying in the message. So you have to study. If you're going to grow, you have to build your relationship with God. That's why David says in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. See? Because if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you know what's going to happen? You always disagree. You're going to always disagree. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And the, and the law that we what? He meditates. He chews on it. He reads it. He studies it. 
because the law of the Lord is perfect. Psalms 19.7, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean and doing forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. See, so you have to study. You have to get into the word of God. You've got to build your relationship with God so that you hear his voice. Open my understanding, God, that I may behold the wonders out of your word. Amen. Because if you don't get an understanding, it's easy for you to disagree. Say, know what you're doing so that you have an answer. For what you do. That's why Peter says you be ready to give an answer of every man to ask you of the hope that is within you with fear. With reverence, in other words. So know why you're doing what you're doing so that you don't disagree. Deal with the disagreements. Here's seven points how to deal with it. As I said, seek to understand. Seek to understand. People tend to disagree when they don't understand each other. Amen. When we don't understand each other, it's easy to disagree. Amen. When one party is so busy wanting to be heard and doesn't spend any time trying to understand, disagreement is always inevitable. If you don't try to get an understanding of why, you know, ask. For people to explain to you, seek for understanding. Go to authorities and ask them, hey, what does this mean? What am I is talking about? When I don't understand, I get on the phone immediately and I call my pastor. I says, Pastor, I don't understand this. I need some understanding. And he gives me understanding. Yeah, so that I know. Okay, so you need to seek understanding. When you come to an understanding that most of us are more alike than we are different, you can begin to tolerate and accommodate each other. See, you can begin to accommodate and tolerate each other. Amen. Even appreciate a different point of view. So first, seek to understand and appreciate. Amen. That does not mean you have to agree, just that you open to hearing what others are saying. Like I said early, most people will say, I don't agree, without even having an understanding. You need to get an understanding. I think in Proverbs 8, the Bible, Lord says, I am what? Understanding. See? Seek the Lord for things you don't understand. You know, don't be quick to disagree before you have the facts, before you have the answer. Amen. Number two, look beyond your own hurts. Look beyond your own hurts. Many disagreements stems from someone being triggered by something that had been said. Something that happens a long time ago. And it comes back up and it automatically triggers a disagreement. I don't agree. 
What triggers is usually fear and awareness of our own limitations. Whatever may have happened in your past, you have to find a way to get past your hurts. Just because someone hurt you before doesn't mean that the next person is going to hurt you. You know, how many times have you heard people, have heard some women say, all men are just alike. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> we're not all alike. You know? <laughs> you know, it, it, especially if they've been hurt, you know, by men or whatever. They're saying all men are just alike. No, we're not. It's not my fault if your character of selecting individuals didn't come through right. You know, we're not all alike. So you want to build your character. You want to build your relationship with God so that you look at people's character before you say, I do. <laughs> See? It's important. Amen. So look beyond those hurts so that you can learn how to agree. Look for similarities and not differences. When you come to a situation, look for common ground. What do you have in common? Look for that in, in individuals to help resolve the disagreements. Amen. And, and that way you can focus together. Amen. Look for similarities, not differences. Amen. What are we on the same path about? And that way we can deal with that, amen, in our lives. Number four, be a good listener. Be a good listener. You remember when you was in school and the teacher would whisper in your ear, Skippy is peanut butter, and she'd tell you to tell somebody else in the class and the time it got back around is 10, 11 different things different. Most people listen to answer. They don't listen to hear. Say, and this is where a lot of times we disagree. We get the disagreement comes about because individuals are not listening. In any disagreement, it is important for both parties to be heard. And both of us cannot talk at the same time. Say, because if you're talking and I'm talking, guess what? Neither one of us is being heard. I'm not hearing a thing you're saying and you're not seeing a thing I'm saying. You know, so you have to t take turns when you disagree about something. You know, I've seen people arguing over the scriptures. I don't have time to argue with people over the scriptures. The words speak for itself. You know, I let them talk. And then... Finally, if I get a chance to clarify or bring to their understanding, I will do that. You know, but I'm not going to stand there and argue with you about the word of God. It'll defend itself. It, I don't need to defend God. He's minor. He's greater. Amen. So we got to learn how to listen. Good listeners give their full attention. Amen. Good listeners give their full attention ask for clarity when it's necessary, and can listen to different opinions without becoming defensive or argumentative. Amen. Are you a good listener? Usually, if you're a good listener, you can repeat back what somebody says to you. Hey. 
So learn to listen. Sometimes you don't even need to say nothing. See, remember, you're trying to resolve the disagreement. So if I'm speaking and you're speaking, we're going to stay disagreed. See, I want to, we're trying to solve the issue because if we keep disagreeing, it's what? It's childish. See, we are to be mature. We are supposed to know how to sit down peaceably and deal with our situations and our circumstances. If I disagree with you, I'm not supposed to go tell everybody else. That's childish. That's what kids do. See, if I disagree with you, you and me are supposed to sit down and talk. I think the last time I checked the scripture, we are in the family of God, aren't we? And, and it's one body, and I can't say I don't need the hand because the hand is, you know, is in the body. See, we got to learn how to deal with these disagreements one on one, not for everybody else to be drawn into the disagreement. See, because what happens if everybody is drawn into the disagreement? then what transpires is you're pulling other people into the disagreement and that individual may have no clue what you and I are disagreeing about. That individual that you went and talked to may not have a common idea about what you and I was in disagreement about. You know why? Because you're going to tell them your side. See? You're going to get them to side with you by telling them your side. You're usually not going to tell them my side. See? And so if that individual starts to disagree because you are friends with them and they disagree with me because you told them, guess what you got? This unity of the body. You're becoming a busybody. You're becoming a bite, bite, backbiter, excuse me. Say, so our disagreements must be between you and I. Say, if you notice in Galatians, you notice, notice what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 2. Go back to Galatians chapter 2 real quick. And, uh, da, 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 da. Notice what verse, Galatians 2.11. Paul says, you know, but when when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Notice, he went to Peter. He didn't go to everybody else. For before certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come and withdraw and separated himself, fearing them which were the circumcised and the other Jews, dissimilar likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away by this dissimulation. But then when I saw that he walked, they walked not upright according to the truth of the gospel. I said unto Peter. Notice, he didn't say to everybody else. It was just him and Peter before them all. If thou be a Jew, you know, he dealt with Peter. See, the disagreement was between him and Peter. See, 
So he had to deal with the situation there. Say, so if you and I disagree, talk to one another. Say, let's have a cup of coffee. Let's go have a pop. Hey, can I have a five minutes of your time? And then sit down and just normal talk. You know, the same way in the home. If there's disagreement in the home, sit down, talk, you know, listen, find an appropriate time when in your home, if you have disagreements in your home, find the appropriate time that both of you are not busy. Both of you have not got things going all over the map where you can sit and you can spend time and listen to the other person and what is going on. See? Because what are you trying to do? You're trying to resolve the disagreement to keep from bringing, as Paul says, division into the body. You're trying to keep from bringing division into your home. You're trying to keep from bringing division into the church. See? So you have to learn how to deal with these disagreements. Take responsibility for your own feeling, especially in heated disagreement. It is easy to start making accusations. That's why this number five, take responsibility for your own feeling, especially in heated disagreement, because it's easy to start making accusation, laying blame and making excuses. See, so what you want to do, this is not on your paper, I'm sorry, but so so you got to take responsibility for how you feel about these things. Amen. And and don't make accusations. Well, you did this and you did that and it's your fault and all these things. That doesn't handle the situation. Because when you start blaming and accusing, you know what you're doing? You're driving a wedge even deeper and deeper and deeper. See? You want to be able to take responsibility, you know, because you want to try your very best when you are bringing it to the forefront. If you bring it to the forefront, who's responsible for fixing it? You. You realize there's a disagreement. It's not to blame the other person. See? You want to find the common ground. You want to try to keep the unity of the bond of the Spirit to bring us together, not push us away. See? You want to be able to speak in a positive way or an encouraging way that's going to build the situation or build us up together so that we're not continually being divided. Because right now in your heart, you're already feeling that we're divided because you disagree. We've got a disagreement. So what you're trying to do now is you are trying to mend the broken fence. See? And so the way you do that is you have to take the responsibility for the situation because you're the one that's recognizing the disagreement. Isn't it amazing that God always put the onus on the person that thinks they are right to make 
it correct? Think about it. I think Jesus says, if your brother offend you, go to him, right? <laughs> See, so he put the responsibility on us that says, I'm right. So he said, okay, you're right. Go fix it. See? And that's what you want to do. And so when you decide you want to come because of the disagreement, you have to come with an attitude of fixing. Not an attitude of dividing. Not an attitude of accusation or accusing. Okay? Leave that out the door. Don't even accuse the other person. You know, build up. Edify. Take responsibility to edify the other individual to keep the unity of the bond and peace so that we're not continuing in the disagreement. Because as long as we're disagreeing, the enemy has free reign to work. See? As I think Amos says, how can two walk together except they be in agreed? See? And so we need to have agreement in the body of Christ. Amen. So look for words to edify. Look for things to build up. Look for things to encourage. Amen. So learn how to deal with your disagreements. Number B, avoid backbiting. Backbiting is childish. Okay? It's very childish here. And so how do we deal with avoiding backbiting in our lives? Amen. Proverbs 15.3. Proverbs 15, I mean, Psalms 15.3. Excuse me. Psalms 15.3. The Psalms says, As Lord, who shall dwell in your holy place? Who shall dwell in your Notice what he says. He that backbiteth not, what? With his tongue. Amen. See? You don't want to be backbiting people. You don't want to attack people's character and their reputation. That's, that's not good. See? We are mature individuals. See, we're growing. We're growing. Jesus did not attack anybody's reputation or character. See? So that's why we've got to have the mind of Christ. See? We don't want to speak unfavorable about people. That should be behind us. Because that was the old man. See? If we are Holy Ghost filled, if we are walking in the truth and not in the flesh, then we should not backbite people. And to slander and talk evil of people. Say, you want to avoid these kind of things in your life. Amen. Notice what Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 4 through 8. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. Verse 4 through verse 8. The Lord says here, Take ye heed every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor 
will walk with slander. And they will deceive everyone his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Thine habitation is in the midst of the seat. Through the seat they refuse to know me, saith the Lord. Therefore, doth saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them and try them. For how shall I do for the daughters of my people? Their tongue is as an arrow shot out. It speaketh deceit. One speaketh peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but his in his but in heart he layeth his his weight. But in heart he layeth his weight. Amen. Notice what the Lord says here. Amen. Take heed to yourselves. Okay? Don't let your tongue keep doing wrong. The psalmist says in Psalms 34, he says, Come, you children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He says, What man of you that like, you know, will want long days and long life and have peace and evil, good. He says, what you need to do is you keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from speaking God. See, you have to learn how to control this thing. Proverbs 18.25 says, life and death is it's in the power of the tongue and you eat the fruit thereof. Amen. See, so we have to realize that Life and death is here. Okay? So don't use your tongue to backbite and slander people and their character. We are called to edify. We're called to build up. We're called to encourage. We're called to help people. Amen. We have to look for the good in people. Yes, there will be times that people may push you to a limit or to a point, but that's because you have the power in the Holy Ghost in you to know how to deal with situations and circumstances so that you don't allow your mouth to destroy other people. Don't backbite people. Amen. Avoid it. It's childish when you're constantly talking about people. Amen. Learn to edify. Learn to build up. You have to ask yourself, the person that I'm ridiculing or the person I'm talking about, how much have I talked to them about Jesus? How much have I gone to them to try to bring them into an understanding? If I disagree with them, if I am so angry at them that I want to talk about them, What am I doing to try to pull them out of darkness to the marvelous light? I think the Lord said to Ezekiel, if he dies in his sin and you didn't warn him, what's going to happen? I'm going to cry his blood at your hands. See, we don't want to keep attacking people's character. We don't know where they are, where they come from. Our goal is to lift up our eyes and look on the harvest field. Amen. So don't backbite people. Amen. Because if we do, we will miss the kingdom. Proverbs twenty five twenty three said, The north wind driveth away rain, 
so does an angry continence a backbiting tongue. In other words, man, you talk about me, you what's going on, I find out about it, and I get angry. <laughs> Guess what? You might lose your life. Depends on who people are. You know, some people will, you know, go after you for slander and talking about them behind their back and doing all kinds of stuff. It's a crazy world, <laughs> you know. So you have to be aware of that. So you have to learn how to brattle your tongue. So avoid backbiting. C, avoid gossip. Avoid gossip, idle talk, or rumors, especially about the person or private affairs of others. Don't tell people's business. My goodness. Amen. Avoid gossiping. I know is 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 normal when you get around each other to chat and talk about things, but try to have your conversations be without talking about other people's business. See? Because the enemy likes to pick up those words. You know? And what I have found is usually if you're gossiping about people and then you come around those individuals, I've seen people go, oh, how you doing, Brother Wayne? Yeah. That should not be, James says, my brother. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to talk about you in private, I hope I'm talking about you in a positive and a good way. Say, because I am supposed to be what? Mature. But if I'm gossiping about you and telling everybody your business, it takes me from here back down to a child. Because that's what kids do. Did you hear what Mary did? Yeah. Telling everything. See? And when you start gossiping, what happens? You go back to number one. Disagreements. Division. See? Because a lot of times when you start telling people stuff, are you really sure that individual that you're telling is your friend? I think Solomon says you better make sure your friend. Say, Because I have seen people, you know, gossip with other people, and then all of a sudden they turn around and the individual they was gossiping about is with the person that they was talking to. And so now they're wondering, is this individual going to tell them what they told them? See? So that's childish. Gossip is childish. You know? Because most of the times, gossip is just rumors. If you don't have the complete facts, please don't start rumors. Amen. Because destroy the body of Christ. Amen. Avoid gossip. You know, when somebody comes to you and say, did you hear? Guess what? I'm getting ready to tell you some gossip. 
so you have to be aware of that. I was told, well, and most people say, who told you? <laughs> you know, that's what I usually say to somebody. When they say, I, I was told, I says, who told you? you know, who told you that? You know, because if you ain't going to tell me who told you, then I really don't want to know because it becomes gossip. Say, because I don't know if you're telling me what you're telling me is truth or not. Right. If you're not going to tell me who told you. And a lot of times, how many times you heard somebody say, I'm going to tell you something, I don't tell nobody else. Usually that is a sign of gossip. Say, and that goes, that's kind of like the childish way of doing things. See, so we have to avoid these childish things. Amen. Avoid excluding others. Now, if we're all in the family of God, should we not all be inclusive? Well, we're going to have a party, but we ain't inviting Jesse. <laughs> Don't tell him now we're having a party. Okay? Don't tell him we're having a party, okay? We ain't, we ain't inviting him. No. We should all be inclusive. Now, granted, there are times that you may want to be with just one or two or three people that you're with. But it should not become a continual where you are excluding other people because of the color of their skin or where they're from or their natural origin or just because you don't like them. Sometimes you might find out that that individual that you are excluding is probably a very good person with some good character that you might need sometime. See? So you have to be aware of that. So let's not exclude others. Remember, we need to get everybody to heaven. And that's the key is carry everybody who's with us to heaven. Number E, avoid being nitpicky. Now, I know you guys are not nitpicky. You see? I want it a green folder. I don't want the blue one. I want the green one. (laughs) Y'all don't do that, right? See, that's being nitpicky. See, yeah, that's my seat there. You know, that's childish. That's, That's what that is. That is being childish. That's not maturity. Maturity is if you come and somebody's in the seat that you usually sat in that, you go find another or you stand up. You know, think about it. You are the mature one. You are the one with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I think Paul puts it this way in Philippians 4. <laughs> you know, it's not that I speak in respect of want, but I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. I'm instructed and always be hungry and suffering. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So if I get a black folder, I don't care. It ain't the folder. 
is the content in the folder what I need to learn? You know? If I don't want the folder that I'm given, you know, go buy one. <laughs> don't be nitpicky. Well, I wanted the breast. You gave me a thigh. You know? Eat the chicken. <laughs> Come on. That's childish stuff. Come on. You know, he took my parking spot, you know. You know. <laughs> so we have to learn not to be nitpicky in, the, in these areas because that's childish stuff. That's what kids do. You know, I wanted that. I wanted that color. I wanted to sit there. I wanted to be in that park. No. You are mature. Jesus says, when you bid to a party, he said, you take the lower seat. He says, unless you go up to the front and then somebody more honorable than you come and they tell you to get up and give them the seat and you go to the, he said, you're going to feel bad about it. I'm paraphrasing here. He said, rather take the low seat. And then if they bid you to come, you'll receive some honor. Say, so if I give you a green folder, say thank you. If I give you a chicken breast and you wanted a thigh, say thank you. I think scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Amen. So don't be nitpicky. Okay? Be content with whatever you have. See? Because if you're nitpicky, you know what? God will see it, and you may not get nothing else. And you know what? Most people, if you're nitpicky, they don't want to give you anything else. See? (laughs) So, learn to be, learn to be content. Learn to be satisfied. Learn to be happy. That's a state of maturity. You know? With what you're doing. Okay, we're going to have to bring this this train to a stop here tonight at this port. Amen. And and we're going to get off here. And then next week we'll pick up on these other two ports. And then we'll continue to move on. We'll try to get through this stuff. But as you're studying these and you're going through these uh, these areas of spiritual maturity, ask yourself, how is it impacting me? You know? Have I been challenged in some ways? You know, and let's grow. Let's go on to maturity. See, is what we're trying to get to in our lives and walk with God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.